0: welcome to the return of the primal endurance podcast this is your host brad kearns and we are going on a journey to a kinder gentler smarter more fun more effective way to train for ambitious endurance goals visit PrimalEndurance.fit to join the community and enroll in our free video course hey i want to tell you about schwank grills this is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken hamburgers seafood lobster vegetables i make salmon in three minutes they even have a pizza stone accessory i want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com that's s-c-h-w-a-n-k everything you cook faster juicier the speed is so important so convenient uh there's a drip tray on the bottom so you let the juices drip down i love the bison burger the venison burgers that's my game and then you can add a mixture of butter spices whatever you want into the tray pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Hey, let's learn from the best. How about Elwood Kipchoki, the greatest long distance runner of all time, the greatest marathon runner of all time, one of the greatest endurance athletes of all time, one of the most amazing humans of all time, he has broken the two hour barrier for the 26.2 mile marathon. My recording was uh, made when he just missed it with a two hour and 25 second race. Then he went back into one of these orchestrated events that they set up for him with pacers, uh, on a racetrack. It wasn't an official marathon race. Some marathon purists contend that um, this record should be uh, asterisks because it's not uh, your typical uh, running the marathon through the streets of New York or Boston or London. But what an achievement. And it is what it is. It's one of the greatest uh, performances that we've ever seen in endurance. I'm going to rank it up there highly with Alex Honold's Ascent of El Capitan as memorialized in the movie free solo Uh, but this guy clicked along running 26 miles at a pace of four minutes 34 seconds per mile that's two minutes and 50 seconds per kilometer which is absolutely flying and for perspective uh, they have a treadmill set up at major marathon i saw some footage on social media where they had a treadmill going at that 434 pace and people would jump on and get spit out the back right away but even an accomplished runner Uh, couldn't hang with that for more than uh, 100 meters. Um, 434 would win uh, most track meets in high school for the mile race, and this guy did 26 of them in a row. His training principles are really interesting and unique, and uh, there's so much to learn from him. Uh, The main takeaway being that he never really puts himself into distress in training, uh, unlike most uh, contemporaries in endurance training long distance running uh, there's a constant struggle with breakdown burnout illness and injury from overdoing it but he's well under control at all of his workouts week in and week out he's like a machine he works what could widely be considered to be very hard but it's within his boundaries and limits so that's the best takeaway that you can get uh, from what kipchoge does in training and the guy is so quotable so i encourage you to uh, follow some links and read some of these really thoughtful quotes. He's like a poet, a philosopher, and also the greatest runner of all time. And so that tees up uh, this discussion of his training habits and analysis. And it was um, assisted by publication on the internet where they, uh, pub- they have published in detail uh, his training protocols, his times, his workouts. And so everyone has learned tremendously in the last year since um, he's shared this information with everybody uh, very generously. So let's hear more about Iliad Kipchoge, the Great Kenyan Marathoner, two-time Olympic gold medalist uh, with an incredible resume highlighted by accomplishing the impossible, that 159 marathon. It's the magical, mythical two-hour marathon barrier. Hey, maybe you're not an elite athlete, maybe you're a recreational competitor, but it's wonderful to watch what's happening at the very outer edge of human peak performance potential. And this amazing Kenyan marathoner by the name of Eluid Kipchoge is breaking records and approaching what was long believed to be impossible. And that is to run 26.2 miles in under two hours. Nike made a big deal about this and had this 159 project. There's a great documentary on YouTube. They train these top, top runners and got the best scientists in the world involved in the scientifically designed training schedule and the perfect race course where they ran around a racetrack, uh, had a bunch of pacers and made this attempt. And Kipchoge ran a two hour and 27 minutes. Uh, It wasn't considered a world record because it didn't happen in a quote, real race with real competitors. We had pacers and a pace car. So Kipchoge went out there to a real race, the Berlin Marathon, in mid-September 2018 and threw down a two-hour, one-minute, 39 seconds. This equates to an average pace per mile of four minutes and 38 seconds. Even if you don't know anything about long-distance running and you head over to a high school track, 400 meters, and time yourself running as fast as you can for one lap, a full sprint, most likely you will not break a minute 10. And this is what he ran for 26 consecutive miles. So then envision a human taking off at that pace that you can hardly sustain for not even a half a lap and running all the way downtown or all the way to the jetty and back or whatever your reference point is for 26 miles. It's absolutely superhuman. There's a great article in the Atlantic.com, quote, even if you couldn't care less about distance running or world records, Kipchoge's accomplishment is worth pondering for what it says about human endurance and what the body is capable of in terms of cardiovascular strength and muscle efficiency. Indeed, one of the reasons marathon running has become so popular is that it enables us ordinary runners to learn those lessons about our own endurance capacity, both physical and mental. Oh my gosh. So those of us that are into running and can fully appreciate what this guy's doing. Oh my gosh. I remember working so hard starting in high school, trying to get my mile time down in the track meets and throwing down a 438 one day and celebrating that great achievement of breaking 440, whatever. And to imagine a human going on at this pace for 26 miles is absolutely mind blowing. Have a wonderful listener to the show named Jack McGinnis, who wrote me a really thoughtful email uh, sending me to the research articles that have been published about Kipchoge. So I thought I would do a whole show about this wonderful achievement of the leading runner on the planet. And certainly now you have to call him the greatest marathon runner of all time. I believe he's won nine out of ten marathons that he's entered, all major marathons, including the Olympic gold medal in Rio down in 2016. Uh, Five foot six, 115 pound dude. So if you're a little kid listening and you were too small for football or basketball, congratulations. (laughs) There's a sport for you. It's called running. It's one of the most beautiful, simple, straightforward, personal battles where if you work hard, you'll get better. There's no barriers. There's no mean coaches or politics about the starting positions and who gets to play second base, the coach's son, blah, 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 whatever. That's what's so nice is they turn on the stopwatch and whoever gets there first is the winner. Uh, Yes, you can improve if you work hard, but you have to do it right. And by and large, the running community uh, dating back to the running boom now 50 years ago or so uh, has been doing it disastrously wrong, namely overtraining and plunging, immersing into chronic exercise patterns that not only lead to uh, performance stalls, plateaus, or regression, but also destroy your general health and everyday life. Uh, The rate of running injuries is so ridiculously high. There's a great book by Dr. Kelly Starrett called Ready to Run, talking about uh, how to get into this sport and sustain great performance without the injuries, working on flexibility, mobility but mainly it comes down to training in a sensible manner rather than directing this highly motivated driven type a personality that's attracted to running rather than applying those bull-headed personality characteristics into the complex challenge of endurance training and kipchoge is an incredible example of a guy who is healthy and balanced he's very wise and thoughtful he offers up these incredible quotes where He's going to be going down in history, not just as the top runner, but as one of the most thoughtful uh, philosophers of modern times, especially of athletic peak performance. He's very well read. He's quoting the spiritual leaders of all times. And then he's quoting Stephen Covey in The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. This guy from rural Africa, training his butt off all day long, but still has a chance to uh, expand his mind and body and have a wonderful perspective about sport. Uh, the article. Uh, that's going to be in the show notes was written by this prominent coach and trainer named Steve Magnus, really making a great name for himself as one of the leading, uh, scientists slash coaches in the endurance running scene in the United States, uh, which is great because his name first surface, unfortunately in a controversial setting when he kind of did a whistleblower up at the, uh, Hallowed quarters of the Nike running community in Portland, Oregon, and the great coach Alberto Salazar. And Magnus didn't like some of the stuff he saw relating to them towing that delicate borderline from legal uh, drug use and supplementation over into the dark side of doping. And we know that doping continues to be a massive problem in the endurance community in all sports, even many years post scandal when. The lid was blown off of what we were seeing on television as basically uh, a farce from the public point of view, thinking that these athletes were clean, when in fact everyone was doped up on uh, incredibly enhancing drugs that transform performance from what you can do as a clean athlete. And we're trying to clean up all these sports today. Uh, We're certainly not there because uh, doping positives come up all over the place, including uh, recent Olympic Games, where the dramatic step was taken to ban the great nation of Russia from the Olympic games uh, because of the widespread systematic doping uh, that was happening and exposed in that country. So we're working on it and one can hope that the leading athletes of today are clean, but really uh, when you come into context here, it doesn't really matter because when you're seeing the person winning the gold medal, you can guarantee that we're competing on a level playing field. So if the top person is doping, I guarantee you that the second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, twelfth, fourteenth, and twenty-first athletes are also doping. Uh, unfortunately, when Kipchoge is breaking these barriers never before seen, I'm sure his name will uh, always be in the mix with people wondering if the leading athletes are clean or not. And here's me putting in a vote for uh, believing that these athletes are doing everything they can to live an optimal lifestyle training beautifully and not needing that performance enhancing element that has often been a shortcut for athletes who were not leading the clean life or getting enough sleep or training sensibly or eating the right foods. So the doping kind of covers up and washes away some of those lifestyle imperfections because the effect is so profound. And I'm believing that because these sports really are cleaning up and the penalties are so severe... That the leading athletes of today are doing things like uh, sleeping in an altitude tent and eating nutritious foods and getting all the right recovery and uh, prevention, rehabilitation so they're not breaking down, putting less stress on their joints, learning how to run with greater technique, better exercise physiology so we can guard against these overtraining patterns by identifying them before they uh, rear their ugly head. All that great kind of stuff is where I'm hoping that the state of elite sports are today. Uh, But let's get into the particulars of the analysis by Steve Magnus on uh, Kipchoge's training method. The big takeaway point, hey, if you have to go right now, if someone's calling you at work into the meeting and this is all you listen to, you know what? There's no secrets here. This guy works hard. He's extremely consistent, but he never goes over that edge, that edge, that All endurance athletes that I've met and coached and associated with were always teetering right on that edge of breakdown, burnout, illness, and injury. You know what I'm talking about. Raise your hand if you've been sick or injured in the last couple years as you progress toward these ambitious endurance goals. Most likely you had, and most likely it was strongly related to you overdoing it. Sorry it wasn't the preschool gathering where the cupcake party and someone else was sick it was because your resistance was low because you overtrained so here's this guy at the very top of sport never trashing his body he reports that he never extends himself beyond 80% in training 80% that's a ton left in the tank waiting for to to be unleashed on race day against his poor competitors her report that when this guy shows up on the starting line, they're totally psyched out because they know they're going to suffer royally because this guy pushes the pace and he's like a machine. And you can just count on a bloodbath out there when this guy's on the starting line. Uh, the running community obsessed with weekly mileage will be interested to know that this guy puts in around 110 to 120 miles every week, No, he doesn't have blocks or phases or down cycles and ramp-ups. He just hits the same volume every week, week in, week out, not even tapering before big races. That's crazy stuff, but imagine never overextending yourself, never digging yourself a hole, and never needing these down weeks where you can just keep humming along at a training pattern that's comfortable and adaptable to you. So... Jack is doing some editorializing here, saying, If you allow me to do so, I would love to translate his training in terms of heart rate and the MAF concept of 180 minus your age. Because Kipchoga is not wearing a heart rate monitor and not reporting his heart rates during his workouts, uh, the analysis is required when we're talking about uh, his training pace versus his marathon pace. For example, when he's out there running a six minute per mile for 20 miles. That's actually an easy workout because this is a guy who can run 438 pace for 26 miles in a race. Okay, so Jack says, he trains at fairly fast paces, obviously, but it's relative to his actual ability. His Even his interval workouts are essentially what Dr. Maffetone has called in the past aerobic intervals. I'll bet if he was wearing a heart rate monitor, his heart rate would hardly ever exceed math plus five beats. Hey, Jack says, let's give this guy five beats for training consistently over the past decade and almost breaking bloody two hours in the marathon. Oh my goodness. So here's Jack again. In the rare instance that he exceeds math, I would bet my life savings, he didn't uh, inform us what that is, but he's making a strong bet that he still adheres to Phil's seemingly counter-advice to never exceed 90% of your max heart rate when doing anaerobic training. I would emphasize that almost no recreational athlete buys this maxim when they do finally make it through base training and start hitting it hard with the intense workouts. In other words, most of us listening, when it's time to go unleash, unleash the beast onto the track and do a speed workout, whether it's quarters with the Tuesday night group or tempo run or intervals, almost all of us are jacking that heart rate above the 90% mark. Because remember, most of us, let's say between the ages of 20 and 50 or something, uh, our maximum heart rate is somewhere around 200, maybe 190, whatever. So if you take 10% off that, if you have 90% as your ceiling, we're talking about 17, 18, 20 heartbeats. So maxing out your hardest workouts at 173, Or 180, or what have you, is dramatically different than hearing that thing beep and struggling to keep pace with the fast people in your pack, and you're going at 193 or 187. The breakdown and the recovery time required after you extend past 90% of max heart rate is significant. I am extremely disappointed that I didn't hear this advice during my triathlon career because I can imagine just leaving something in the tank on all 57 of those workouts, my hardest workouts that I ever did over my 10-year career. Oh, yes, remember, Andrew, when we did eight quarters uh, in 62 to 64 with a short jog in between them and killed ourselves and thought, oh, boy, now we're ready for the next race. We had a wonderful workout. Or when I raced my late friend Don Weaver from the bottom of the canyon to the top and we broke 15 minutes hauling ass on this uphill trail high-fiving at the top, this stuff was all leaving it on the training ground rather than applying it to the race as competitive athletes where we had strong competitive goals. So never exceeding 90% of your max heart rate when you're going hard. And then that concept from Kip Chogan, not to confuse you, but when he says he never extends himself beyond 80%, he's giving that overall big picture perspective where he's just going and humming along on workouts that sure they're pretty difficult even to him but he's not killing himself i'm so excited to introduce you to paluva this is a new Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Back to Jack's commentary. I'm confident in my assertions, having put my true running geekery to the test and reading through and deciphering his log multiple times. He actually published his training log in its entirety on the internet. How cool is that? Oh my gosh. The only thing that he does that's a bit counter to the primal endurance ideology is the fact that he has a quite a constant schedule. In other words, there's none of this rest or things that we emphasize so strongly for the average person. Uh, he typically has four easy days per week. These are runs where he's one to two minutes per mile slower than his marathon pace. So remember, if you're a 438 guy for marathon for your longest race, uh, and he's going 630s, Consider that yourself if you're uh, extrapolating. And remember, we have to uh, do the ratios here. So it's not like two minutes per mile slower for you. It might be three minutes per mile slower than your marathon pace that you train at frequently. Do you? Probably not, huh? Because it's way too slow and you don't feel like you're getting a workout. And there's a quote from the article where uh, on his easy day, uh, where is it? Oh, quote. His recovery day seems to be when he goes out for a run just once that day, so instead of twice, most elite athletes run twice a day, so he's only doing one one run per day, covers an easy 18 to 20k, that's 10 to 12 miles, and some of these runs start out at an astonishing six minutes per kilometer pace. So here's the number one athlete in the world running that's hour-long 10k pace, Right. So what is that? 12-minute miles. The guy's starting out his runs at 12-minute miles. I'm sure he's speeding up and probably eventually hitting 630s or something that's still ridiculously easy to him. He's just going out there, getting a sweat, breathing, and serving to support his recovery. Just as we talked about uh, with Joel Jameson on that great podcast where if you go in and do some uh, specific protocol, get the blood flowing, get the oxygen going get your body moving, but not stressing your body, that can actually help sp- support and speed up recovery. Uh, back to Jack's analysis. Um, the recovery runs are one to two minute per mile slower, and that would mean his heart rate is 20 to 30 beats below maximum aerobic function, 180 minus age plus five. Okay, so the world's number one is doing quite a lot of runs four days per week at 20 to 30 beats below math heart rate. But Brad, that would mean I'd be walking. How ridiculous of a notion. No, it's an actual training effect that you get at the low-level aerobic exercise that will have a profound positive influence on your racing performance. So if it happens to be a brisk walk because you're a two-hour half-marathon person at this point or you're a 12-hour Ironman person, so be it. Go out there, enjoy the training effect, realize what it feels like to train properly in the manner of the great elite athletes of the planet. And don't push yourself day in and day out, bumping up that math heart rate maximum, thinking you're being a good boy or a good girl just because the watch is not beeping. Realize that Kipchoge is going four days a week at 20 to 30 beats below math. Back to the commentary. Then Kipchoge runs hard, and uh, Jack puts this in quotes, two to three times a week, but these runs are as follows. He does intervals on the track on Tuesday, but these are not gut-busting intervals. It's a high volume of intervals that are barely faster than his marathon pace with a pretty long recovery time. I would imagine he's barely getting his heart rate over math as a result. Think about it. That's thousands, not at 5K race pace or faster, but at marathon pace with an equal recovery time. That's an interval workout, but it's easy. It's not troubling or overly stressful for him. So he's put in this time. He's gotten better over time. He's genetically gifted. He trains at high altitude in Kenya. He's got a lot of things going for him that enable him to get down to the two-hour mark. But if you're a person that's trying to break the three-hour mark or trying to break the four-hour mark, just apply these insights to your relative example, and will have great significant impact. And I report this uh, often on the show and in the book *Primal Endurance*. When I slowed down, and that was the gateway to improving my performance on the professional triathlon circuit. Uh, on Thursday, Kipchoge does an up-tempo log run with a pace that's 30 seconds or more per mile slower than marathon pace. Again, probably hardly ever exceeding maximum aerobic heart rate. On Saturday, his session epitomizes the concept of aerobic intervals. It's a fartlek run where his short pickups get to faster than marathon pace. But again, this is the furthest thing in the world from the typical practice of runners doing fartleks where you shoot to run into oxygen debt and then ease up. No, he's just kind of opening up his stride, getting up to maximum fat burning, And then backing off. Oh my gosh. Uh, It's almost too much to understand or to process that this guy is training in such a minimally stressful manner when comparison to the average Joe. Uh, Jack's talking about his own experience trying desperately to walk on to the University of Georgia's cross country team back when they were a top 15 program in the country. I thought that I just needed to do more. More mileage, more workouts, more speed. And I finally realized that maybe running a 1435K was not in my genetic potential. And I let the pressure release from that more, more, more mindset. Surprisingly, within a few months of less total miles and less intensity, I got my 8K time. That's the usual cross country meet, uh, which is just about five miles. I got my 8K time down to 2530. So this guy's running five-minute miles over terrain, a fabulously fit runner. He also mentions his roommate, who's a sub-elite performer, uh, who's just over four minutes in the mile, so a very, very accomplished young runner, Um, certainly not in the same category as Kipchoge, but Jack reports that his roommate's workouts are faster than Kipchoge's. Ah, what's up? More from Jack. I think that's very telling that the general problem in American distance running as a whole is too many type A runners who obsess over their workouts and paces then fail to take care of the little things. And those little things would be a simple, clean living lifestyle with good food, plenty of sleep, making the effort to develop yourself as a person rather than just have this narrow, obsessive focus on running fast. And that comment there was a blend between uh, Jack and I exchanging emails. But we both agree that the state of uh, organized running in America, especially for youth, is absolutely disastrous. If there's any high school coaches listening or people that influence young runners, and I know there are because some of you write in that have transformed your program and taken it a little easy on the kids and seen them improve and seen less attrition rate when you don't push them so hard and grind them like they're little machines or little uh, miniature Olympians when they're just trying to go out there and have fun and have a social experience. Kids actually improve when they have a good time and don't drive themselves into exhaustion. That's when they make it through the season because their parents insist that they do. You never quit, not in our family. They make it through one season and then they say, forget it. I'm gonna go uh, to the beach and work at the lifeguard tower. So this attrition thing's gotta stop. This abuse of young runners has got to stop, slow them down, ensure that they have fun, ensure that there's plenty of low stress workouts, knowing that this will develop them into top competitors because it allows the body to build, build, build their aerobic energy producing enzymes and muscle fibers without the stress of high intensity or black hole training where you're producing some waste products in the bloodstream and having to take time to recover after, you're producing stress hormones in the bloodstream and having to recover from that and rebalance and get back to baseline, normal, healthy functioning, hoping that your immune system or your musculoskeletal system does not become compromised by the repeatedly overly stressful workouts. Okay, So college runners, college coaches, high school, wake up, notice the tremendous example of Iliad Kipchoge and try to model that it works. <laughs> simple as that. And back to Jack's final comments. I think Kipchoge is going to change the game. Yeah, for real. I mean, look at this. The guy's training log is on the internet. He is now telling the world straight up that he's not busting his chops all the time. He's living a nice, clean, simple life, working hard, but not killing himself. Huge difference. Also, Jack observes that this guy's an amazing man as a whole. So I appreciate you letting me uh, share my insights. Jack continues, I have helped five people reclaim their running lives and mine has been reclaimed as well thanks to reading Primal Endurance and also Maffetone's work. I'm very passionate to spread the message and get fired up seeing these kind of results. Hopefully, we can get many runners and endurance athletes to relax one of these days, and then we'll end up seeing breakthrough performances, PRs, longer careers, all that good stuff. Thank you for listening. I hope you take inspiration from this show. Go Google this dude and see what he's all about. Check out some of his interesting quotes. Okay, sure. How about some of them right now, pulled from this wonderful New York Times profile, uh, published September 14th by Scott Cacciola, titled, Eluid Kipchoge is the greatest marathoner ever. Some wisdom from the man? Only the disciplined ones in life are free. If you are undisciplined, you're a slave to your moods and your passions. (laughs) How about this one? It's not about the legs, it's about the heart and mind. Here's another. The best time to plant a tree was 25 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. Love that. He once wrote down a formula, motivation plus discipline equals consistency. Uh, this is cool because I've given you enough background context to fully appreciate a quote like that and not distort it because it seems like we're guilty today in the age of hyperconnectivity and social media of taking these rah-rah-isms and applying them to a dogged work ethic where you compromise your health and your balance in the name of being a badass. So this guy leads that balanced life. He's very disciplined, but he doesn't do stupid shit like most endurance athletes and most peak performers where they push themselves too hard and go over the edge of sensibility in the name of uh, conquering the world and achieving their goals. Okay, so Kip Choga, he's a pretty chill guy, even though he's got his lifestyle dialed in with a lot of hard work, no shortcuts to success in the marathon, of course. But he says, when I run, I feel good. My mind feels good. I sleep in a free way, and I enjoy life. Ah, compare and contrast to the nonsense that we see in mainstream sport with these misbehaving athletes and pop-off coaches and controversy and drama and all this nonsense that, honestly simply would not work for a marathon runner. You can get away with it with a dysfunctional organization and Shaq and Kobe uh, having warring of the words in the locker room, but they still win the NBA title, even though their egos are exploding outside of the boundaries of the court. This stuff is the real deal. You're going to be exposed if you have an imbalanced or uh, distorted competitive intensity in real life when you're out there on the race course. So here's a guy that sleeps comfortably, sleeps soundly, feels free, enjoys his life. And that's when he can turn on that motor and run like no human has ever run before. Very inspiring. Hit these links, learn more about this guy. And I hope it will carry over into your own approach to endurance training. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to check out primalendurance.fit, the wonderful mastery course with. Hundreds of videos from dozens of the world's leading experts in endurance training, a lot of them, thankfully, echoing this relaxed, casual, intuitive approach to endurance training. It's really time for a transformation from the dated, destructive, no pain, no gain mentality, the chronic exercise patterns, into something that's free and fun and of course, disciplined, and of course, there's the hard work and the struggle that gives meaning and richness to life, as Dr. Roger Bannister said, but not struggling in a stupid way, like struggling to maintain your workout pattern when you have a sore throat or running your tight, painful shin over and over until it turns into a stress fracture. This is the type of struggling that we have to get rid of. And we have to embrace this evolved mindset. So many experts that I talked to in the course, the Olympic gold medalist, Simon Whitfield, the great Ironman champion, Tim DeBoom, sitting down for lengthy interviews that they've never spoken about uh, this before. It's the only place you can find this kind of content. So go around there, browse. There's a series of seven free videos to really see what you're about to invest in with this course, but it will change your life and it will change your approach to endurance training I'm remembering the great commentary from Simon Whitfield sitting on the rocks overlooking the coastline in Victoria, British Columbia, reflecting back on his career as an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic silver medalist, and all the stuff that he did wrong that he regrets and the things that really worked for him and that free spirit that he had when he was a 25-year-old nobody and came out of nowhere with an incredible sprint finish in Sydney, Australia to win the first ever gold medal in triathlon. Don't you want to hear more about that? It's all there in the course. It's like magic. So sign up for it right now. And because I'm so excited, I'm giving you this top secret 20% discount on your enrollment fee when you visit primalendurance.fit. Brad20, 20, B-R-A-D-20. 20. That's it. <sighs> Shh, thank you. Go check it out. Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers seafood lobster vegetables i make salmon in three minutes they even have a pizza stone accessory i want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com that's s-c-h-w-a-n-k everything you cook faster juicier the speed is so important so convenient Uh, there's a drip tray on the bottom so you let the juices drip down i love the bison burger the venison burgers that's my game and then you can add a mixture of butter spices whatever you want into the tray pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor are you getting hungry? I am. <laughs> Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K, grills.com, and up your home cooking game. This is a one-of-a-kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. I hope you enjoyed this episode and encourage you to check out the Primal Endurance Mastery Course at PrimalEndurance.Fit, this is the ultimate online educational experience where you can learn from the world's great coaches and trainers diet peak performance and recovery experts as well as lengthy one-on-one interviews from several of the greatest endurance athletes of all time not published anywhere else it's a major educational experience with hundreds of videos but you can get free access to a mini course with an e-book summary of the primal endurance approach and nine step-by-step videos on how to become a primal endurance athlete. This mini-course will help you develop a strong, basic understanding of this all-encompassing approach to endurance training that includes primal-aligned eating to escape carbohydrate dependency and enhance fat metabolism, building an aerobic base with comfortably paced workouts, strategically introducing high-intensity strength and sprint workouts, emphasizing rest, recovery, and annual periodization, And finally, cultivating an intuitive approach to training instead of the usual robotic approach of fixed weekly workout schedules. Just head over to primalendurance.fit and learn all about the course and how we can help you go faster and preserve your health while you're at it.